Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I want to talk about an idea that is so central to Stalinism um, and to later phases of the Soviet Union um, that it, it really should be, in, in my view, discussed an awful lot more. And this was the idea of the elevation of the ordinary individual to the status of hero. Um, the idea of the hero of labour. Um, and it was uh, articulated uh, in the character of the Stakhanovite, um, which we're going to uh, explore um, a, a little bit later on. The uh, Soviet Union in the mid-1930s is this era of um, heroism. And the heroism uh, that is talked about in popular songs in radio programs, in books and magazines, is born of a uh, a desire to build the world anew, and for it now not to be done by elites, but by the ordinary individual. Of course, the reality is completely different, um, and we'll talk about the reality uh, in a little while. But the idea during Stalin's five-year plans, which was the obviously the uh, state-led mass reconstruction mass industrialization of the Soviet economy was that there were ordinary proletarian uh, workers who sacrificed everything for the common good along the way. Okay, so we're reading again from Sheila Fitzpatrick's uh, Everyday Stalinism and we're looking at uh, chapter 3, Palaces on Monday. And she references a popular song called March of the Happy-Go-Lucky Guys, 1934. And the verse is... When our country commands that we be heroes, then anyone can become a hero. And Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, This is an age of heroism, the song claims, in which even ordinary people become heroes. The first five-year plan inaugurated the heroic age, launching the country on a make-or-break effort to transform itself. A heroic age called forth heroic personalities and feats and glorified them. In Maxim Gorky's Nietzschean formulation, Soviet man was becoming man with a capital letter, um, free from the burden of serf consciousness. 
Inculcated through past exploitation and deprivation, the contemporary hero, man of the new humanity, is big, daring and strong. He pits the forces of human will against the forces of nature in a grandiose and tragic struggle. His mission is not only to understand the world, but also to master it. Now, there's, there's a number of things to be drawn from that. The new Soviet man and woman um, were these uh, kind of ideological formulations. Um, they were the human flesh itself changed by ideology. If you look at the statue of uh, on uh, the 1938 um, World Exposition in Paris, the, on the, the top of the Soviet pavilion is a statue by Vera Mokhina of um, New Soviet Man and Kolkhoz Woman. And there is this huge, modernist, uh, muscular uh, proletarian with a hammer and a, uh, a Soviet peasant woman with a sickle uh, defiantly striding into the future. And this was the artwork, the aesthetic of the Soviet Union that men and women had been remade. Had been remade by what? They'd been remade by the revolution. They'd been remade from what? From what had come beforehand. The, um, the feudal world of Tsarism had made people in the kind of the imagination of the Soviets um, literally servile and weak and downtrodden and, and physically broken. The revolution had set them free and was now reshaping the world. Um, and what it was doing, as Gorky states here, pitting the forces of human will against the forces of nature. Stalinism, and later Maoism, saw nature as a, a, a monstrous obstacle that had to be conquered and subjugated. Uh, and this really accounts for uh, a great deal of the environmental crimes of Soviet communism and, and Chinese Maoism. So the term hero is consistently used in Soviet literature throughout the era. It explains um, workers um, such as the Stakhanovites, who were named after the, the worker Alexei Stakhanov, um, who broke uh, all records for the amount of coal that could be dug in one shift. Um, there was a constant obsession with exploration, particularly exploration of the Arctic. Polar explorers who went to the Arctic um, were lauded, again, as part of the um, process of uh, conquering the Arctic, conquering nature. Aviators were a, a new kind of modernist uh, proletarian hero. The whole point about the aviator is that it offered a kind of a, a, a fantasy of empowerment that could be egalitarian as well. Of course, anyone can learn to fly a, a plane. And the uh, obsession with aviation and the excitement of this new age of air travel wasn't, uh, in the 1930s, contained to the Soviet Union alone. Far from it. You find similar, similar, similar kind of obsessions with aviation uh, around the world. Um, political leaders who might be described as heroes for performing uh, heroic feats uh, in poems by folk bards Voroshilov was a fantastic knight on his steed Stalin, the hero Joseph Arlite Vizironovich um, 
the Soviet hero, right, Sheila Fitzpatrick, was often described uh, as a bogatir, uh, the old word for the hero of Russian folk epics, and ascribed the same qualities of daring, defiance, and high spirits. In many ways, um, one of the, the, the things that's kind of quite uh, apparent from this is that even though there are periodic waves of terror throughout the 1930s in the Soviet Union, even though there are acute anxieties about the intentions of foreign powers, even though there are periods of hunger and shortage, there is quite a, a, a vibrant and assertive and um, a, a, a confident culture, for want of a better term, um, around the, the culture of Soviet construction and the socialist construction uh, and the, the building of, of, of a new world. It's possible that some of the um, achievements of Soviet communism were um, the means by which Soviet citizens filtered out other more unpalatable realities. So Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, The quintessential bogatiers of the 1930s were the polar explorers who dared to pit their strength against the elements in the most hostile natural conditions and aviators who literally launched themselves off the face of the earth to perform their heroic feats. Arctic enthusiasm started when the Chelyuskin expedition, led by Otto Schmidt, set off to explore the northern sea route in the Arctic in 1933 and was caught in ice flows. The subsequent rescue operation by Soviet aviators went on for weeks and, the re and received enormous publicity. Even children in remote villages heard about it and were carried away by the drama. On their return, explorers and rescuers were fated, embraced by Stalin and other Politburo members, and declared heroes of the Soviet Union. Despite the current moratorium on party admissions, four of the aviators involved in the rescue were accepted as members of the Communist Party by special decision of the party's Central Committee. Otto Schmidt, a bearded giant of six foot six inches, became a particular favourite of caricaturists, one of whom portrayed him as a latter great day, Peter the Great, striding across the Russian landscape. So one of the reasons for the um, the fascination with things such as the Chelyuskin um, expedition was that this is the kind of it, it, this is the kind of thing that pre-revolutionary Russia um, didn't do and wasn't capable of, of achieving. Um, and there was a, a suggestion that the revolution had seemed to unlock Russia's potential, unlock the potential of the Soviet people um, by recreating them and creating them within each, the most uh, ordinary people, the potential for greatness. So there was a, a, a kind of a, a, a sense of um, an egalitarianism, a levelling out of, of this idea of human potential and, and human greatness. Whether that was achieved for most people is highly doubtful, but certainly that was this is part of the myth-building of the Soviet Union. And all societies build their myths, this is true, um, and they're often very attractive myths for people to buy into to participate in. Aviators and explorers obviously received um, huge amounts of uh, fan mail. They appeared in the newspapers. The newspapers, Soviet press was 
key in building up uh, this uh, notion of the um, aviator as the, um, the the hero of the nation. And Stalin would um, often greet them at the airport um, when there were plane crashes, as inevitably there were. There were state funerals uh, and uh, no expense spared. There's a, a, a different kind of um, story emerges around um, the boy Pavlik Moritzov. Um, there, it's possible you may have heard the story of Pavlik Moritzov. Uh, certainly, if you'd lived in the Soviet Union in the mid-1930s, there's no way you could have um, uh, avoided it. Um, Pavlik Moritzov was um, in the, the Young Pioneers, um, the uh, part of the kind of the Komsomol movement, the um, Soviet uh, kind of youth organization. Um, he was uh, de he denounced his father uh, to the authorities as a hoarder of grain. Um, his father was um, arrested in 1937 um, and shipped off to the gulags. And Pavlik Moritzov was murdered by uh, angry relatives for having betrayed his father. Um, he was uh, kind of uh, loathed by the, the Russian uh, intelligentsia in the post-Stalinist era, during the, kind of the years of the post-Stalinist thaw. But in the mid-1930s, presented as a hero and a martyr uh, by the Soviet press, um, and this was embraced by uh, a, a significant number of young Soviet people. Why? Um, because he'd been murdered, essentially, by counter-revolutionary elements in, in the, the, the Soviet telling of the story. He had stood up not just for um, what uh, to obey the state and denounce his father, but he'd stood up for society as a whole, because grain hoarders, in the eyes of the, the Soviet state, were counter-revolutionaries. These were people who were trying to um, withhold grain in order to affect its price and harm the economy and destabilize Soviet society and then reintroduce exploitative capitalism. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, of course, this is ludicrous. I mean, most people hoarding grain were people who uh, were uh, Soviet peasants who were uh, uncertain about the future with good reason and were putting grain aside um, for their, their kind of just-in-case um, stockpile. Um, but he was presented as a, a kind of a symbol of, of bravery and self-sacrifice. And he was willing to challenge the uh, unjust authority of his father um, and that um, willing to challenge the, the unjust authority of his father, who had um, brought with him the values of the pre-revolutionary era. There's a kind of a, 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 a little echo in the Pavlik Moritzov story, and also the culture that surrounds the Pavlik Moritzov story, of what later happened in China, the idea that the, the older generation uh, that still brings with it old values um, is, has been hopelessly corrupted by the previous regime, and it says only the youth, the revolutionary youth, that can bring things forward. Um, a play written by Natalia Satz for the Moscow Children's Theatre in the mid-1930s called The Squealer um, was uh, based around the same idea. It was similar to the movie the, uh, On the Waterfront, and it faces, it's about characters who face the decision whether to, to inform or not. And the, the, the dilemma that surrounds it. Um, it's about a, a bunch of children working in a shoe shop. And many had been um, street children um, who had been rescued by the, um, the, 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 the shoe factory um, and given new lives. And really it is the revolution giving them the new lives. Um, but there are some of the children in, in the shop are stealing, um, and the uh, one of the uh, and one of the the thieves is known. But the friends uh, defend him, and they won't rat him out. Um, and that, but the question is, always put to the audience: Are they doing the right thing by not uh, letting uh, the authorities know who the thief is? And the implication is actually, of course, no, they're not. They are protecting somebody who is undermining the common wheel, who is undermining the collective, who is undermining a uh, kind of collective good. And underpinning the, the kind of the culture of the Soviet Union during the Stalinist era is this um, belief in, that, in, in the kind of the sanctity of collectivism and the sanctity of that which is shared. Um, I talked previously about... The, um, the, the Soviet um, uh, people's palaces, these huge uh, communal social spaces in, which, in, in cities like Moscow that ordinary, um, ordinary citizens could enjoy. The idea that the, the Moscow underground was, was um, as beautiful as one of the Tsar's palaces, um, but it was a, a shared communal space because the state is inherently suspicious of private spaces private thoughts, private ideas, um, the idea of the private in general. The state's doing as much as it can to break that down. Um, and a, uh, a culture in which um, the uh, private gain and acquisition is denounced and punished 
in song, in literature, in, um, in, in drama, is all part of that same continuum. Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, The little man as hero was a favourite motif. The heroes of Gorky's stories about heroes were rank and filers, rural teachers, worker correspondents, worker inventors, reading room organisers, activists of all kinds. The newspapers ran many stories on the extraordinary achievements of ordinary people whose photographs, serious or smiling, looked out from the front page. Factory and coal cost shock workers were the heroic little people of the early 1930s. Then, in the mid-1930s, the Stakhanovite movement gave um, new dimensions to the celebration of ordinary people. Stakhanovites, named for the, after the record-breaking Donbass coal miner Alexei Stakhanov, were supposed to be not um, to be not only record breakers but also rationalizers of production. The movement started in industry, but soon Stakhanovites, both male and female, were emerged were emerging in the kolkhoz, um, the collective farms, and even in such unlikely arenas as Soviet trade. One of the uses that the Stakhanovites were put to was to explain to other workers not only the uh, virtues, the moral and emotional virtues of hard work and sacrifice on behalf of, behalf of the collective, but also the material benefits that were derived from this. They were films of what Stakhanovites were rewarded with, um, cars, uh, apartments. And an entire culture emerged educating workers in what good Soviet workers should be like the um, homes in which the Canabites were filmed as living in were nice, neat, clean and tidy. It was explained that, cal- that uh, one takes one's shoes off before one comes in and doesn't get dirt on the carpet. It was uh, shown that the Canabites don't wear old, have old peasant beards and that they, they shave and look like smart, modern, um, in, in, in smart, modern proletarians. Um, and they were um, ways of Stalin um, presenting to the, the Soviet Union, or the, the party presenting to the Soviet Union, the, this notion of kulturnost, or culturedness, um, which uh, was a, a key part also of remodelling this idea of the new Soviet individual. The new Soviet individual was hard, uh, disciplined and focused and hard-working at work, but was also cultured and civilised in their home life and it was a way of getting as far away from the world of the Soviet peasant as possible, uh, of leaving that old backward uh, feudal uh, corrupted um, individual in the past. There are some interesting parallels with the world in which we inhabit in that the, the sheer ordinariness of the Stakhanovite was part of their celebrity. Much as we seem to have a predilection in the 21st century for uh, finding relatable celebrities or raising ordinary people to levels of, uh, of, of, of fame, the thing about the Stakhanovite is that they were um, ordinary proletarians, but remarkable for something, and they were remarkable for the physical acts that they produced, the amounts of work that they did. But what that work was was symbolic of, well, it signified 
was the amount of their ardour, their passion for the revolution, their desire to see uh, the new society um, of the Soviet Union emerge successfully. However, there is a kind of another side to their fame. Sheila Fitzpatrick writes, In theory, they were selected because of their achievements, but in practice, patronage from a local party secretary or journalist often played a large role. Staganovite's photographs were published in newspapers. Journalists interviewed them about their achievements and opinions. They were selected as delegates to conferences of Stakhanovites and learned to make public speeches. Some of the lucky ones even met Stalin and were photographed with him. Stakhanovites and other ordinary celebrities were living examples that little people mattered in the Soviet Union, that even the most humble and ordinary person had a chance of becoming famous for one day. I became a hero along with the people, wrote Stakhanovite tractor driver Pasha Angelina modestly. So that um, egalitarian fantasy is, is I mean, it's a, a key ingredient of, of, I suppose, modernity itself. You see it um, as part of the, the notions of, of the, the American dream um, on the, the kind of the other side of the kind of ideological division. And you can find it in uh, various uh, different um, uh, post-colonial or... Um, uh, uh, newly independent societies uh, from the 1940s onwards. And in an era of mass populations, in an era of mass politics, and uh, in an era, I suppose, of, of what you would um, call a kind of like a, a, a century determined by people's politics, these new ideas about um, mass engagement in um, ideologies, mass participation in the development of societies, um, have to be fueled by uh, these kinds of narratives that anyone can make it. Not that everyone will make it, but anyone can. Anyone can participate. There are now no barriers other than one's own self. The only barriers that seem that exist uh, in um, America are one's own drive, ambition, willpower, individualism, uh, pluck and moxie. Uh, the only barriers that exist in the Soviet Union are one's commitments to the revolution and one's commitments to the uh, to socialist construction. Um, there are all sorts of um, novels written during this period. Um, the the kind of the culture of socialist realism. The um, the most famous one being um, Cement. Um, the uh, literally the the, uh, the novel about a cement factory. Uh, and the the politics therein, and how workers are motivated to break through production norms and really go for it. Um, there were accounts by uh, Gorky and other journalists of um, the slave labourers on the White Sea Canal, uh, and, and an epic uh, story about one woman who'd been a, a thief and a prostitute, and who was now being reformed through labour, and who had a great spiritual epiphany. Um, about her role and about how passionate she was about digging the White Sea Canal. Of course, 20,000 people died of malaria on the White Sea Canal and it was too shallow to uh, sail battleships down in the end. But that's not really mentioned in the narrative. OK, so you get a flavour there of this, this, this culture of the hero in Soviet um, uh, mythology during the 1930s. And it's that culture really is the product 
of um, the Stalinist era and the revolution uh, that preceded it. Anyway, I hope you found this useful. Um, if you are able to, please do check out our Patreon page. We rely on a tiny, tiny trickle of ad revenue and, of course, um, the kindness of our patrons. Thanks very much. All the best. I'll catch you on the next podcast. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm.